Today, as we remember the legacy and dream of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we hear from an early prophet, Isaiah, and how he voiced God's dream for Jerusalem. Let us open our ears, our minds, our imaginations, and our souls that we might imagine how this dream could be realized in our current world. We hear from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, The Message. God said, pay close attention now. I am creating new heavens and a new earth. All the earlier troubles, chaos and pain are things of the past to be forgotten. Look ahead with joy, anticipate what I am creating. I'll create Jerusalem as sheer joy, create my people as pure delight. I'll take joy in Jerusalem, take delight in my people. No more sounds of weeping in the city, no more cries of anguish, no more babies dying in the cradle or old people who don't enjoy a full lifetime. 100th birthdays will be considered normal. Anything less will seem like a cheat. They'll build houses and move in. They'll plant fields and eat what they grow. No more building a house that some outsider takes over. No more planting fields that some enemy confiscates. For my people will be as long lived as trees. My chosen ones will have satisfaction in their work. They won't work and have nothing come of it. They won't have children snatched out from under them. For they themselves are plantings, blessed by God with their children and grandchildren. Likewise, God blessed. Before they call out, I will answer. Before they finish speaking, I'll have heard. Wolf and lamb will grace the same meadow. Lion and ox eat straw from the same trough, but snakes, they'll get a diet of dirt. Neither animal nor human will hurt or kill anywhere on my holy mountain, says God. The wisdom of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Let us pray together. Loving God, as we hear these words of Isaiah, as we try to cap, catch hold of your dream, as we remember the dream of Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement, we ask that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight and in your hearing. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. And let the people say, Amen. Thank you, Alicia. It is good to be with all of you this morning on Zoom. As you can see, the sun is starting to chase me here, so I'm going to uh, try to keep in place. I'm not usually here in my office at this time on Sunday morning, and it's great to have brilliant sunshine. You and I have come this morning today to worship, remembering that we commemorate Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday this time of year, and we remember his legacy. 
And so I want to actually have you help with the end of this sermon, which is to think about that question Alicia posed before she read Isaiah, which is, how is God's dream living in your life? And more importantly, I'd love for you to think about how God, how this dream of God, how you see it living in the world, and also where it needs to live more fully. And I'm going to invite you later in this sermon to offer that either out loud or in the chat, just so we can hear from one another. Jenny, you can go ahead and bring up some of the slides for us. Uh, when we think about Martin Luther King Jr., I like to us to always remember that he is probably the foremost, certainly the most celebrated prophet in American history. And the dictionary definition of a prophet is an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the will of God. And when we look at the prophets throughout our scriptures, they are God's spokespeople holding people in power, as well as holding all of us who are the people accountable to God's will. So when we think of these prophets, we think of people like Elijah, who confronted the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel with huge flames that came down out of the sky. We think of guys with big, long, white beards, and usually as they're depicted in Western art, they're usually white guys. We think of them as being people in deep thought who have this special connection to God and the universe. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Elisha, Micah, Malachi, Habakkuk. We think of them writing down the words that they hear God saying, the words that God is to say to us. And so it might have come as some surprise when a guy in his 20s came up in the South holding us accountable, holding us as a nation accountable, holding us as, as a government accountable to our promises when he didn't look necessarily like what our Western art had told us a prophet looked like, which should be a warning to us that we should always be on the lookout of where prophets are emerging in our midst. You see, Martin Luther King did something that we now consider quite dangerous, particularly in more liberal progressive quarters, which is he was not afraid to mix up the promises of scripture with the promises of our nation. He saw them as parallel and important promises that we make to one another. He was rooted in the tradition of scripture and Christianity, and he also saw himself as an American and this, this, uh, a citizen of this country, holding us accountable to what these promises are. There are lots of reasons that makes us uncomfortable today, but he had many examples to lead him. One was Mohandas K. Gandhi, or Mahatma, the great spirit in India, who was a prophet of his own time, who was willing to walk to a different drummer, to walk to a different step than the people around him, and hold an empire accountable through nonviolent means. And he did that. You and I can think of other prophets that we have seen in recent times, particularly think of Desmond Tutu, who we said farewell to in this earthly life a few weeks ago, and his good friend, the Dalai Lama, as prophets who speak up to the people in power and speak to the people themselves of how they need to be accountable to the values of their faith. I think about Tutu in particular here because of the ways that he was much like Martin Luther King Jr. in his own country of South Africa, in the ways that he worked with leaders as he saw a transformation that were, that country and even 
after he saw it change in recent times to continue holding it accountable to the values. Tuju wrote a book a couple decades ago called God Has a Dream, and in it he tries to articulate what he sees as God's dream, similar to Isaiah, and also how we are always called to be partners in that dream with God. He wrote in one of the core nuggets of this book, I have a dream, God says, of a world where ugliness and squalor and poverty, its war and hostility, its greed and harsh competitiveness, its alienation and disharmony are changed into their glorious counterparts, when there will be more laughter, joy, and peace, where there will be justice and goodness and compassion and love and caring and sharing. I have a dream that swords will be beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, that my children will know that they are members of one family, the human family, God's family, my family. Thus says the Lord. Now, Tutu took many of these words from the prophets themselves because you see this dream resonating through the scriptures with the prophets, with the teachings of Jesus whenever he mentions the kingdom of heaven. You hear it in the writings of Paul, envisioning a new kind of world that we can live into and that we are helping bring into being with God as our partner. So I want you to just look over these words of Tutu just a little bit and think about where you are seeing God's dream alive in the world around you, either close to you or far away, and also where you see that God's dream needs to live more fully. Imagine those places where there is more laughter, joy, and peace, justice, goodness, compassion, love, caring, and sharing, where swords are being beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, where people know that they're all members of God's family. That's part of the dream. And the places where we need more of that dream, where there is ugliness and squalor and poverty, war, hostility, greed, harsh competitiveness, alienation, and disharmony. It's very much in our human nature to go to the negative first, and our news outlets help us do that all the time. So I want to be sure you're thinking about the places where you see God's dream working and alive before concentrating on the places where God's dream is needed more. Now, the problem that anyone who's a prophet, anyone who tries to live in God's dream encounters that when you start to do this, you will have troubles. We saw in the Gospels, as soon as Jesus turned over the tables in the temple, and Amy reminded me of this this week, that's when things got tough in his ministry. That's when the authorities started to come after him, when he started challenging the money and how it affected the status quo. That is when things got dangerous. We think of MLK as this valiant leader who was, we almost have iconized and sanitized as a marble statue in the gallery of our cultural memory. But it's important for us to remember that Martin Luther King Jr., alongside all of those courageous peace warriors in the civil rights movement, had their own struggles. And Jenna, if he had his run-ins with the police, he was bloodied, he even had, he was stabbed right next to the heart 10 years before he was murdered at the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis. That's that hospital picture on the bottom left, coming strikingly close to his aorta. 
He had crosses burned on his front lawn. And he was jailed more than once for daring to stand up to the system and to the empire. If we are willing to take serious God's dream and God's claim on us to hold ourselves accountable to God's will, there will always be danger involved. I rem- Last year, when we were early in the pandemic, when we thought it might just only last a few months, you can go to the spotlight, Jenna. I reminded us that we were learning things in the early part of the pandemic. We were learning things about how we view human flourishing, how we view wealth and the economy. We were starting to redefine our understanding of who is essential in this economy. And we were also deciding to give everyone money to get by. All of a sudden, we became a socialist state right in front of our eyes in ways that we hadn't imagined and didn't think possible. And at that time, I shared with you these words of Rose Marie Berger. Wealth disparities are not a given. They are a choice. Proponents of an unfettered free market have become socialists overnight, she observed back in May, demanding direct payments to most U.S. taxpayers, increases and expansion of unemployment benefits, industry bailouts at levels that essentially nationalize whole sectors, the underwriting of struggling hospitals and healthcare systems, and the launching of a newly trained American workforce into production of COVID-19 productive equipment and testing supplies. We can choose to distribute wealth more equitably. It is not, wealth inequities are not a given, they are a choice. My concern as we live on into this pandemic is that we may forget some of these lessons and that already we see our leaders starting to uh, lose some of these lessons. Someone is, is doing some tech challenges here in the room. And my concern is that if we don't stay true to God's dream in this, we may have trouble learning those lessons and actually putting them into play. We saw it this week in our courts and in Congress that people are starting to limit what is accessible and what is possible, which is why it is even more important for us to pay attention to God's dream. So now I wanna turn it over to you and to bring us back to those slides, Jenna. As we think about what we heard from Isaiah today, you can go to the next slide. If we're going to work with God in creating a new heaven and a new earth, if we're gonna look ahead with joy, sheer joy and pure delight, where do we see that happening? And where do we see it needing to happen? And you can cut to the 2-2 slide as well. A world where we are leaning into laughter, joy, and peace, justice, goodness, and compassion, love, caring, and sharing of swords being beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. So I don't know about you, but last night I saw some of that on display on MSNBC as our own Minister of Music, Susan DeSelms, was being interviewed alongside Jeremy Groover Flores of the Hamilton, the Garrett, Hamilton Garrett Music Academy and our relationship with them as she talked with Al Sharpton about this Negro Spirituals Royalties Project. This is something Susan has brought to us in her own way of living into God's dream of how do we write, try to write as much as we can some of the wrongs of the past, the abuse and injustice of the past through these songs that we enjoy that inspire us 
in ways that sustain future generations, that pay back and give credit where credit is due. This is just one way of sharing that dream, of living into that dream. And I think we're all grateful that Susan has brought this to us. If you haven't checked that out, check it out on our website. But I, I know you discussed this in the Bible study. I want to open it up to the gallery view here. And I would love to know where you are seeing God's dream happening in the world around you and where you see it needing to happen more. You can put it in the chat or you can raise your hand if you'd like to say something out loud. Yes, David. So there we go. Can you hear me now? Um, we In a Bible study, we did talk about this, of course. Um, and I was really inspired this morning by reading about Michelle Wu and the tab. I mean, not in the tab in the globe. Um, and how she uh, lives her life each day in this amazing start to her um, her tenure as mayor um, with all the unbelievable challenges that just came came across. And I just was really impressed with her cheerfulness. Um, and I, I have no idea what faith she practices, but I just felt like she has love in her heart for um for the people around her and for the work that she has chosen to do, even as challenging as it is, and even as realistic as she is about not declaring victories. Um, but I just felt uh, that there's, there's the peace of God is, is in her. And I just pray that she can stay cheerful and focused um, and, and have that uh, spread to the people that are working with her and in the community of Boston. Thank you, David. Terry shared in the chat that common art, this ministry out of common cathedral where people who largely people who live on the streets who are unhoused come together to make art each week. Terry and others of you are volunteers there. She said common art is a place I see joy and some harmony from alienation. Thank you, Terry. And Denise says, I am working with colleagues, staff and administration at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, as we work to become an anti-racist, health-promoting institution with love of knowledge, teaching, learning, scholarship and service at our core. Thank you, Denise. One of the things we Kent, are saying. Kent, I, I have to say, I don't want to embarrass Alicia, but I've um, been spending a lot of time in the church and saw, you know, um, Arielle Turnin, who is has this great spirit about herself. Um, she's doing absolutely doing the Lord's work. There's not an ounce of pity in her. She doesn't. There's no pity there. She just does this. She's got a smile on her face um, and certainly the best attitude I've ever seen of someone doing the very labor intensive, um, complicated work that she does all the time at the food pantry. And if you want to see just joy and God's commitment, um, and I don't want to embarrass her, but she, that, that's it. I mean, you see, she can smile beyond that mask. I have to say that. So thank you. Thank you, Gwen. I don't, Alicia, I'm thinking you're not embarrassed. Is that correct? Uh, <laughs> probably beaming with pride. For those of you who don't know, Ariel has been a part of our worship in this past year and grew up in this church and is now the operations manager of the Brookline Food Pantry, which came into our building this year. And during the pandemic has gone from about 175 households per week to 750 or more in addition to their backpack program for schools where they have about 500 students. And I'm grateful for this partnership. And I know the man sitting beside Gwen there volunteers every week. Some of you have started volunteering and 
certainly all the more ways that we can get involved and serve our neighbors through this ministry is in truth part of God's dream. Thank you, Gwen. Are there others who would like to share? I'm looking for hands and if I don't see your hand, feel free to jump in. Also mentioned our thrifty thread shop, uh, our thrift store where people can get clothing at discount rates and also sometimes even get it as a donation uh, is a way that we help people of all different socioeconomic levels, but particularly a place where we're able to help those in need. As many of you know, I'm excited about as we move into our relationship with the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization as they work on issues of affordable housing, as our stretching team is already working on. Also, as uh, we work on, uh, as they work on mental health issues and helping people recently incarcerated reintegrate into society. Sarah writes, Pine Street Inn, more diverse, and she sees hope and God's dream with more diversity in world organizations like the WHO, the World Health Organization. Vina writes, how the hearts and hands ministry of our congregation, the caring ministry have been so loving during this time where there was uncertainty in her life. Amen, thank you for that, Vina. Part of Tutu's belief about the dream, and this is true of the prophets and was true of Martin Luther King Jr. for sure, is that God is always inviting us into this dream to be co-creators in making it a reality here on earth. And so as we go away from this worship, I invite you to keep your eyes tuned this week of where you're seeing God's dream in the world, either in the newspapers or in your own life personally, in, the, in your media outlets, and also where you were invited to live more deeply into it with your service, with your life, with your hopes and dreams, and with your resources. Together, we continue to believe and to live into this dream and let the people say amen.